Welcome to this week's episode of Say What You Mean Podcast. Is I'm Jeff. A, is it a podcast? Or I don't know. Is there a question as to the the nature of this, whatever this creation is? Just the nature of Say What You Mean. How often... Sorry, who are you? Jake. Oh, thank you, Jake. Um, how often do you say, say what you mean? Uh, in like my daily yeah, life? Yeah. Nah, I hardly, say it all the time. Hardly ever. Yeah, it's because wait till that kid starts talking. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's already teething. Yeah, oh, oh yeah. yeah. That's got to be fun. Yeah, he, but he can, he grabs stuff now, so it's, it's funny. Glasses? No. It's he coming. Like, he just like, you could hand him his little toy and he like, Grabs it. He like grabs it and then he like starts to like put it in his mouth. You know the so. next step is what? Gooseneck. Gooseneck? <laughs> <laughs> Does he eat the gooseneck? Oh, dude. Happy Wednesday. And for those of you listening, happy Thursday. If you're on it and you're just the best. Listening to the day it drops. Yeah, dude. That's mm. fire. Yeah. Um, how I need to know how you're feeling about like I'm surprised you wanted to do it today. I mean, obviously we have we're juggling a million things, both of us, right? So mm-hmm. finding this time is like this is it. Let's do it. Go. Um, but like the election results aren't completely out, mm-hmm. and I I just want to know how you how you feeling. Not like about the results, but I know you get anxious. I know you get stressed. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I definitely. F- it was so busy at work yesterday that it didn't really hit me mm-hmm. that until it was like five o'clock and I was, but I was, you know, already off work and I'm like, holy shit, like it's polls are closing now. Yeah. And so then, um, you start hearing the, the initial, some of the initial stuff that's happening. Like I got, I got pretty nervous when Florida went so heavy Republican, just, mm-hmm. Those were those were at one point supposed to be close races, mm-hmm. and both Rubio and DeSantis like Slayed. they won by fifteen points, and I think DeSantis won by twenty. So I was like, "Holy shit, that's that does not bode well for this red wave is coming." Yeah, because yeah. because the the <laughs> Florida throughout my my whole life, all, like following elections, mm-hmm. has been a toss up state. It's always oh, been considered okay. a toss-up state. So the fact that DeSantis won by such a large margin, mm-hmm. especially, and he it's not like he is by by a, a moderate by any means. Yeah. Um is is weird. I mean, this is a this Florida is a state that voted for Obama twice. Mm-hmm. It broke for Bush twice. Mm-hmm. Um, that is random. Yeah, yeah. So it's just. Uh, I mean, it is kind of all over the place, yeah. right? So, um, it was close. It was very close between Clinton and um, between Clinton and Trump. Trump yeah. Was not close between Trump and Biden. Mm-hmm. So wait, did Trump win Florida? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he won Florida both times. Yeah. Oh, both times. Mm-hmm. Okay. I feel, and I would like, I would, I would like to know this only because I know anecdotally. That's a word I always forget when mm-hmm. I want when I want to use it. I did right there, and I'm very proud of myself. Nice. But well sometimes done. when I'm like, this would be the perfect time to use the word anecdote, mm. I forget the word. <laughs> um, but I would like to know because I know anecdotally people who have moved there mm. from up here. I would like to know. If there's an influx in moving there to Florida, well, I'm sure. Like, 
that's such a that in like that in Arizona, the electorate yes. has changed yes. so drastically. Yeah. Um, and it's a lot of the voting population. It's historically, older populations vote. The older older generations vote in a higher percentage than younger populations. Yeah. So you've got a lot of retirees mm-hmm. moving to those two states. Mm-hmm. Generally, older populations skew conservative. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I guess that makes just empirically it makes sense i mean i just wonder if like because there is more movement right we've seen a huge number of people moving into like oregon right Mm -hmm. over the last decade yeah and then like a lot of people from california moving up here right so Mm -hmm. but i also know several people who moved from here to florida so and they are right leaning i guess if you will maga bros so i wonder if there's a draw there because that's where woke goes to die Uh, you're referencing his amazing acceptance speech. Yeah, DeSantis. Yeah, yeah. But I, I wonder if there's a correlation there, honestly. Because oh, I, I'm I think there about has that. to be. There has to be. Um, you're taking a, a state that is because three points in an election mm-hmm. is a lot of votes. Yeah. I mean, I, I think people see three percent. Oh, you only lost by three percent. Three percent in a state like Florida is. Mm-hmm. That's like forty, fifty thousand votes. Yeah. So if that's all it takes to really secure, like, solidify a state, yeah. Um, so like solidify a state's, like, for a party, mm-hmm. you move, you get enough of those snow, yeah. enough of those snowbirds moving down there yeah. as retirees or relocating because they want to be part of the, they want to get away the from rebellion. the li- from the liberal ideology. Yeah. They want to go. Live out their it's wet, the woke ideology. Go live out their wet dream in a con, in a conservative utopia yeah. where they, I don't even know, kill woke. Yeah, they go woke hunting. Yeah, so there's yeah. no woke ideology in Florida. They won't stand for <laughs> they it. They will not stand for it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is it is strange. Like, I mean, yeah. Miami Dade, the Miami Dade County, which hadn't voted uh, Republican in a major election in two decades, um, DeSantis won it by twelve points. Yeah. So that's, I mean, when you see that, because Florida, um, if Florida does one thing well, it's counting its votes. Yeah. Um, they were the first to announce anything. Mm. Like they, they had all their shit counted and out. Yeah. Um, whereas everybody, like everybody else's voting rules are different. Yeah. So it's, you got to, like Pennsylvania doesn't allow um, mail-in ballots to be counted until all um, in-person same-day votes had been counted. Right. So, okay. I so like that. that creates a delay. Yeah. In um, uh, in counting. Same yeah. thing with uh, and then so I mean every st- I mean, that's part of the Constitution. The, the U.S. Constitution leaves it up to states to determine how they want to administer federal elections. And that is a right that is guaranteed to the to the states by the Tenth Amendment. So, um. Anyway, I um we've touched on this before, but I think that if there's anything that like this era of like politics now has has what I've seen a change in is people understanding, although there's a complete misunderstanding of civics, there are weird pockets of understanding in civics and and government, um, like the importance of a county auditor. Mm. And now you have people maybe focusing a little harder on county auditor elections which in every election that i voted in it's just like unopposed same person until they're kind of tired of doing it Mm -hmm. and then it's the next person and 
it's not, that's just an example of one position, but I just feel like now, and maybe it's the threat to democracy or the concern of the threat of the woke, um, that they're like, okay, what position is going to guarantee or, or, or certify elections or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. So then those are the positions that become, um, kind of focused on. Well, you hope that, you hope that at least the people who want to vote for a county auditor or a state secretary or a secretary of state of a state who certifies the state elections, mm-hmm. the county auditors administer and certify the the county like the county mm-hmm. election, and um, then that goes down to the to the precincts officers and right. It's a, it's a big apparatus. Mm-hmm. The, the federal elections is a massive undertaking. Yeah, um, and. You would hope that the people who are like, I want to vote for somebody who has denied the results of the 2020 election mm-hmm. because I because I hope that I, I at least pray that they fundamentally do believe that the election was stolen and they're they want to mm. their their interests are benign in the sense that they want somebody who's going to actually protect elections. Yeah. Not the, yes. the malignant st- like we know it wasn't stolen. We just want somebody in there who's willing to steal the election. Ooh. And I guess you can never really under yeah. you can never really know what someone's true motivations are. Yeah. Although I do believe that the certain people who are running for those positions are have sinister intent mm-hmm. because those are the people who they do know better. Yeah. Um. But the average average Joe and you know and Yakult. Yeah. Right. He made. I mean, they might generally genuinely believe that. It was stolen. stolen yeah. Um, and they're looking for somebody who's going to, like you're saying, uh, uh, reinforce election integrity. Yeah. I mean, as as much as you wish that they would go and be just do a, a minuscule amount of research. Yeah. But I, I, I at least am like, okay, well, I hope that they're – I just hope that they're – reasoning behind it is benign but overall about what i i mean just yeah what i feel about how Your i felt feels. about yesterday uh better i mean okay. I, I feel a lot better than i thought i was okay good um it's it wasn't anywhere near the the ass kicking that the democrats were um, expecting, expecting to, to take yeah they're going to lose the house of representatives yeah. more, more than likely they needed all they needed was five republicans just needed to flip five seats mm-hmm. in order to take control of the house and at this moment they flipped seven oh. but there are still a couple red seat there's a couple republican seats that look like they might fall oh. to democrat flips yeah. i mean if marie glutes and camp perez mm-hmm. holds on that's a flip to Democrat. Yeah, that's wild. Lauren Boebert is down in Colorado. I saw that. Um, although she did just pull even after the most recent ballot of drop. Course. So, uh, I mean, but if that seat flips, yeah. there's two. That's back to five. So you you might be looking at a at a very small, even if there is a majority of Republicans, a very small majority, mm-hmm. and then it's just you hope that there's at least a, a pocket full of Republicans who aren't going to allow the crazy MAGA agenda to take <sighs> off. But other than that, there had been like a 15 to 20 seat advantage for Republicans. Yeah. That would be really, really bad for Democrats. Right. But a slim majority, I think, is manageable. I still think you can probably get stuff done through that through that house. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but the Senate is really going to... The Senate... Fetterman winning in the Senate mm-hmm. it was such a exhale. Mm, okay. Because the Senate is 
whether or not Biden is going to be able to get much more done legislatively in his mm-hmm. next two years is probably going to be very tempered. Yeah. Just because of the political realities of it all. The problem is, though, is that with nominations and especially nominations to the federal everybody everybody's paying everybody pays attention to supreme court seats but he also has a lot of seats to fill in terms of federal judges Mm -hmm. and trump spent the last two years of his presidency just packing federal justices um and you see one with elaine cannon Mm -hmm. right the one who's overseeing who is overseeing his documents case biden if Biden can't get his judicial nominees through because there's a roadblock uh, in the Senate, yeah, there's going to be a lot of federal court vacancies for over the next two years yeah. that then can be filled by the next president. Oh. So it's it's really important in, in terms of all the other procedural stuff that mm-hmm. the Senate at least stays in the hands of the Democrats. So at least by, if you're a Democrat... Mm-hmm. Biden can at least still maneuver, like politically maneuver and fill, yeah, yeah, um, fill certain, you know, fill certain Balance needs, expe- especially, especially in the judicial, in yeah. the judiciary. Um, and it looks like they'll be able to probably maintain their 50 50 split. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting to me, like some of the wa- watching some of this, some of this stuff. Like, I think we expect most voters, and I think this is the the rule for the most part is that generally voters in today's today mm-hmm. are down ballot voters. Sure. They, they just check, they just check whatever letter is next to a particular yeah. candidate. But that didn't quite happen. And it actually happened in a pretty dramatic sense. And it's, and it's almost really, it feels so unique in today's polarized era mm-hmm. that you had, such split ticket voting mm-hmm. uh, in Pennsylvania and in Georgia, right? Where uh, Shapiro, Josh Shapiro, won. He's the Democratic candidate for governor of Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. He won by thirteen, fourteen points. Mm-hmm. Fetterman, who's on the same statewide ticket, yeah, only won by three. Oh, interesting. So that Pennsylvania still isn't this blue, isn't right. this necessarily this big blue bastion, mm-hmm. but it, but candidate quality still matters, at mm-hmm. least in some mm-hmm. pockets. Yeah. That they're not willing, at least at the statewide level, mm-hmm. it's really hard to get somebody who's so outwardly extreme mm-hmm. in a state that is at least somewhat purple. Right. Because... Mastriano was such a terrible candidate. Mm-hmm. I mean, just awful. Anti-Semitic tropes. Oh God. Anti-women tropes. Yeah. Talk like his rhetoric was some of the most restrictive about abortion. Mm-hmm. Open denying of the 2020 election. Like full-on Trump-endorsed candidate. Yeah. Got mopped. Mm. But Oz, who was a little seen as a little bit more moderate, not quite on that whole Trump bandwagon. Yeah. There were people who wanted to vote Republican, but couldn't quite get themselves to that extreme. Yeah. And you saw that in almost a 10% of the other Pennsylvania electorate, which yeah. is actually a pretty significant number. Mm-hmm. And then the same in Georgia. You had Kemp walk away with it by almost 10 points. I don't know where the spread is now. I had stopped paying attention to the Georgia 
um, Stacey Abrams versus mm-hmm. um, uh, Kemp. But Warnock is ahead by 0.5% over Walker. Wow. And Warnock is the Democrat. Yeah. So once again, you're looking at a pretty large split between the Senate candidate and the governor candidate of the same party. Yeah. Because of candidate quality. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a, that's a really good positive to take is that there is a certain line that people, some people won't cross. Now, there are some absolutely atrocious senators out there who have one, but it's really encouraging for states, battleground states, especially like Pennsylvania and Georgia, yeah. to know that there are those their electorates still believe in there's a certain threshold that they just won't cross in terms of their vote. What do you think that is? Like when you're, I mean, we're, we're talking vaguely about threshold and and candidate quality, but like, uh, you can't be a wife beater. <laughs> yeah. Like you can't be you you. Um, one of the reasons why Kemp was so popular, yeah, was because he stood up to Trump. Oh. Interesting. You know, he he didn't give in to the he didn't him and Raffensperger who both won their their reelection campaigns yeah. in a landslide. I mean, they they almost lost their primary challenge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there are oh. a lot of people. It sounds like there are a lot of moderate Republicans mm-hmm. or a lot of even moderate Democrats who are willing to vote for someone who they see as being in, having integrity. Right. Um, that is wild. Not that it's wild, but it's just, it's cool to see because I know, I know the thought process that takes, dude, uh, I have a, can I read you a text exchange? Yeah. please do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is funny. And, uh, I just, for the nature of the show, I won't say who, um, but, uh, me looking at my ballot this is the text i get dot 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 quote what would jake do <laughs> dot 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 end quote the reasoning i give myself and uh, tell other people it's just parroting jake i said oh yeah me too every time and then he said he's indoctrinating me <laughs> i do my best to indoctrinate yeah um I said it's embarrassing that the standard for me is are they election deniers, um, and uh, he he said I can't I, I I've told people I can't vote for anyone who de- who denies the election and you can't either. I said yeah, tell everyone. He says I shouldn't have to. I know that's that's pretty accurate. Yeah. Anyways, you uh, I'm ready. Dimitri and I have been talking about this for a long time. If you listen to Knuckle Draggers. We have, for a long time, just kind of fantasized about starting a cult, and we don't have what it takes, but it seems as though you might. <laughs> so, we're just going to recruit you. Only because I have, the, <laughs> I have the ability to talk super passionately about stuff, whether I, I, I don't know, I just have that ability that, because I so heartedly believe in the stuff that I believe in. Yeah. And I can, I just speak about it really passionately, sure. and it helps that I have I don't a, think that's it. Really, you don't think it's. I don't think it's it, Jake. I think that, I think, and this is what I'm getting at when I'm when I'm looking at the ability to maybe vote across the aisle, sure. right? It's. I think there's an appeal to pragmatism when having a conversation with you, and hopefully when people are listening, right? You can be as passionate as you want about 
duck hunting. Not that you are. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm not going to do it. Sure. I'm not going to do it. But. Ooh, I don't know. I haven't really tried to sell you on I don't think I've ever really tried to sell you on it. <laughs> I'm not doing I it. I got you out of the bed at 4 o'clock in the morning to go to Mount St. Helens. That's true. You did. You did. And it was worth it. But. Uh, okay. But. When it comes to voting. Um, it, I think you have an ability. And the ability that I value. And I hope the audience values. Is for you to. Uh, sometimes. The way that you explain things is a little convoluted. And on To the Republic, we found that it's my job to dummy it down. <laughs> um, but for those who have listened to this show for a long time, I think that the, what they hear is you appealing to pragmatism or logic for them to go, that doesn't make sense. And now that's making me question it. Um, if you talk about passion as influence, I think you look at the MAGA bros. Mm. They're, they're, you're signifying on emotions. You're stoking the flames of emotion. You're talking about being able to appeal to people in the audience and me and said person through your emotion. While, yes, you are impassioned when you speak of these things, I don't think that's what gets us to consider what you're arguing. Hmm. Um, while it does help, right? Like, what the fuck is... Why is Jake so passionate about this? There must be something to it, right? You would think that that's the thought, but I never think like that. I think... I think it goes to the willingness to learn and it goes to being bitch slapped in college. Like you don't know shit, which is the first lesson I learned in college, which is the best lesson. Mm -hmm. So then when I think that I might have an inkling or an idea, we have conversations and you say, well, let's look at it like this. Whether you believe it or not, you forced me now to look at it. You didn't force me. I have a willingness to learn. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that, When you're talking about moderate Democrats or moderate Republicans, considering someone on the other side of the aisle that they might vote for because of quality, candidate quality, or whatever the reasons might be, I think the appeal, I'm hoping that we're seeing a shift in critical thinking. (laughs) Um, Because I think that's what it takes sometimes to separate yourself from your emotions Mm -hmm. right when you get single issue voters that is emotion i think a lot of the time absolutely you can't your tunnel vision yeah that's what i mean and so if you can step back and say well jamie herrera butler just said some shady shit about gay marriage but joe kent is a douche (laughs) (laughs) Joe Kent also says shady shit about gay marriage and a million other worse things. And a million other worse things. So if I could just get Jamie there and then hopefully beat her ass with the blue wave, I'm down. Mm -hmm. Right? That's my logic after having these conversations. It unfortunately didn't happen, but that's it's not because of your passion. It's because I think that you you have a great and this is why and this is why one thing that pisses me off a lot is that like you didn't become a teacher and I didn't become a teacher and Matt didn't become a teacher just because of the circumstances of the university Mm -hmm. which pisses me off it pisses me off because the way that you encourage me and others obviously in the audience to learn or or have an interest in learning or have an interest in critical thinking or questioning their own um, I don't know, not values, but their own questioning their own thoughts on 
okay, well, maybe if I think to, 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 to encourage them to look at things from a different lens or different angle, that is everything that when I, if I'm looking for a teacher to, to educate my child, that is the dream, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what you, I think, do and provide on this show. Um, and I hope that when you're talking about all of these things across these states that um, are either purple or you're seeing maybe uh, not a down ballot um, voting process, it excites me because I hope that there's a little bit of critical thinking interjecting in this blinding insanity of MAGA nation. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. That's a lot, but I appreciate the kind words. Thank of you. Of course. I didn't mean any of them. <laughs> uh, yeah. Wow. I mean, thank you. That made me feel really good. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. But yeah, I. Well, I mean, I'm I just, hope, I'm I, just mean, I, I do hope that people. I I'm do, just buttering the bread so that when I say something, you're like, oh, yeah, okay. I'm on his side now. <laughs> uh, I. You hope people. I mean, I, ho- I, I do hope that people listen to me and they they they're like oh you know it it forces them to think a little differently right because the 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 people who i look up to most of my life are the ones who did that Mm -hmm. did that for me right and um so and it it warms my heart to know that people um out there are like who value my opinions enough or value my way of approaching a particular problem right like especially about politics, about a choice, they approach a choice or a problem, and then they think that um, kind of trying to use my use my same logical approach to solve whatever it is they need to solve is that's heartwarming to know that somebody like people think that highly of me. So I appreciate that, uh, and I I do hope that I've done some good with this platform, even if yeah. it's just helped a couple people be informed with their votes, right? That's means of the world. I do hope that we can keep that momentum. Yeah. I just, Republicans aren't, Republicanism, conservatism isn't, isn't a bad, like it's not a bad thing. It has so many good qualities. Yeah. So many good qualities and so many necessary qualities for a functioning society. We need two functioning parties. Mm Mm-hmm for our government to work our government shouldn't be a de facto one-party dictatorship because the other side is just full of nut jobs (laughs) or or a spectrum of disposition yeah to influence and encourage the processes in which we get to a resolution of something yeah and it it hurts it hurts when people you've pointed out people who are in your sphere and people have said the same thing in my sphere to oh, me yeah. that I'm a rhino and therefore I'm not worth talking to. Yeah. Not that sucks. Like that sucks to, that sucks. It sucks. Like, um, because I think if you were to actually have a conversation with me, you would, I think we'd have a lot more in common. I think the problem Jake is, is now that I'm just, I've just had this like lightning bolt. It's, you are screwed and labeled a rhino 100% in reference to say what you mean because of me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. Oh, because these people have not listened to the show and they're calling you a rhino. Mm. Well, I mean, to be fair, I have I've voted for all sorts of Democrats lately. Yeah. So 
I guess you could call me Republican in name only. Yeah. Because I of my vote because of my voting record. But that's what we're talking about. Like I don't care. I call me a Republican in name only. That's that's fine. I guess you could flip it and just say, well, t- today's republicanism is like if that's if republicanism is Marjorie Taylor Greene and Donald Trump and Lauren yeah. Bolbert. I'm good. I'm fine. Yeah. Like you guys can have that <laughs> label now. Yeah. That's fine. Um I wanted to like I was thinking about this. Like if you were to start a third party, which yeah. you know how I feel about third parties. Yeah. They're a waste of vote. Yeah. Party fouls. But if you could start a third party, mm-hmm. what would you even call it? Like if mm. you were strategizing and you were like, we're going to start a third party. One, one, where would you try to fill a niche? Yeah. And two, what would you call it? It has to be a... a, a uh, unfortunately, it has to be like a trigger word like democracy or republic. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So you have the Republicans and the Democrats. Yeah. It has to be a play on some, quote, patriotic word. Um, I would call my third party the Patriot Prayer. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! I don't know. I honestly don't know. Have you thought of this? I feel like you have an idea. Yeah, I. I mean, I do. Okay, what is it? Um, I won't give a suggestion, but I'll shit all over yours. No, I want to hear what you're. I saying. don't you have, don't one. have a <laughs> I'm okay. just kidding. I'll I, think about one, and yeah. I'm just kidding. I'm not gonna shit on yours. Um, I don't. It's. I mean, I'm a. I'm a nerd, right? At the end of the day, people tune me off because I. I say things too convolutedly. <laughs> not even a word. Yeah. Uh, but I think if I was trying to boil down, like, cause you can't be a candidate and you can't not believe in the ideology that your party is supposed to espouse, right? When right. you, a party should have an underlying ideology that it falls back on, mm-hmm. that it goes, we are going to, when it, it inf- that, that, I, mm, that baseline okay. ideology informs your policy decisions. We're going to formulate policy with Ooh. an end, with an end goal yeah. that, that reflects that underlying ideology. Okay. So what is my underlying ideology? What makes me a conservative more okay. than anything? And that's my belief in institutions. Oh, I think you've said this before. So I would call my party yeah. institutionalists. Mm-hmm. I'm an institutionalist. Yeah. And that's how I see myself. Yeah. My today. gut my gut is pragmatist. Yeah, but you can't really call your party. I don't think you can call your party the pragmatist. I can call them whatever the fuck I want, That's Jake. true. You can. You can call it whatever you want. The pragmatist. That's right. I can. True. You I, could, I could you call them anarchists. Yeah, but that that kind of already has a definition. I could change it. Look at Bernie, <laughs> dude. It's true. He just came, Well, he just came up with a word. Yeah, I could just make shit up. He's been really quiet. He's been very quiet. He's probably dying somewhere, dude. I hope that doesn't uh, happen. I think you realize that um, the way the political winds are shifting, yeah. people aren't really liking progressivism. Mm. Um, so they, I think he is uh, staying low. I feel key. like his Twitter's pretty active as far as like kind of calling shit out. Yeah, but on like the platforms and like television and stuff, you don't really hear. Well, from you, him. you don't see him out there endorsing candidates. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I will say this. Uh-huh. There are certain pockets where progressives yeah. won their party's primary in the Democratic primaries and then went on to smash, whereas the moderate Democrat lost their seats. Sure. 
So there is something to be said. I think that's what I'm talking about, there, the spectrum of disposition. Yeah, so there are, I mean, there is some empirical evidence, mm-hmm. and to use your term, anecdotal mm-hmm. evidence, that suggests that in some areas, what Bernie is saying is that we're not giving, we're too scared to let a progressive candidate win the primary because we're so afraid that what progressivism would just get labeled as socialist and dominated yes. by moderates the moderates would flock to the conservatives. But Fetterman was by far, he was a Bernie backed candidate. Yeah. He won his, he won his primary and then went on to win a Senate seat that had been held by Pat Toomey for the better part of like the last 30 years. Mm -hmm. That seat has been a Republican seat for longer than I can remember. Yeah. And that just flipped to a blue seat. Right. So, I don't know. It's God, interesting. I, I threw, to me. I threw it in. The, I threw a wrench in there when I said pragmatism. But t- tell me more about your institutionalists. What is the foundation? Because, I mean, what is what are we defining as an institution here? Uh, chattel slavery? No. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, well, I was thinking what to quote the f- the. Um, they quote the 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 per, the the philosophy the Enlightenment era philosopher who's often attributed with conservative ideology is Edmund Burke, mm-hmm. even though he wouldn't consider himself a conservative. Um, but his his resistance to the French Revolution, not because he disagreed with change he wasn't a monarchist by any means whereas like you look at hobbes and hobbes is an absolute monarchist and he believed in the monarchy and his right. in his I, his writings and leviathan constantly underpinned it or then you have um rousseau or uh voltaire who were complete anti like almost like essentially complete anti-institutionalists anarchists almost like pretty much anarchists because they inf- they ended up influencing the communist manifesto mm-hmm. uh, which you got sitting right there um because somebody called me a communist so i or no they were calling their opposition communists mm-hmm. and i was like you can't just slap labels on people like that and then um i had brought up to validate my pragmatism uh mm-hmm. that i voted for jamie because this was a, a MAGA bro that i was talking to who was shitting on Kent, actually, by the way, hmm. which I think is good. Um, but he was pointing at other people, calling them communi- uh, communists. So I took a picture of the communist manifesto that I own, and I sent it to him. Nice. Go ahead, sorry. Card-carrying communist. That's right. right. <laughs> uh, oh, Sorry. No, you're good. Keep interrupting. So um, where Edmund Burke... He wasn't a monarchist because, right, the 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 fear that that time, the historical context, was that I mean, there the belief that the the monarch was an extension of God on earth mm-hmm. was that yes. the belief that absolute monarchy. So overthrowing that monarchy not only was it a repudiation of a centuries old um, governmental structure mm-hmm. and a belief in like a, in a single person ruler, mm-hmm. but it was it was it was also separating the idea of church from government mm-hmm. it was completely revolutionizing completely revolutionizing in terms of both thinking and action right edmund burke wasn't against edmund burke often gets labeled as a conservative because he questioned the the french revolution mm-hmm. 
he questioned the French Revolution not because he supported the monarchy, he supported this idea of combining church and state. He questioned it because there wasn't necess- there wasn't a plan of action by the leading revolutionaries. <laughs> right. He's like, why yeah. would why change? What are you changing oh, to? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Don't change without just for the sake of change. Yeah. Oh, if you're going to overthrow the monarchy, great. But what are you replacing it you're with? You're cutting the strings without a plan. And then his idea, and then he was like, the things that you, the the loose associations of stuff, that the like the loose plans mm. that the, that writers within the revolutionary period were writing about. He's like that that stuff doesn't make sense. We, what you're repla- trying to replace the monarchy with isn't stable. It isn't right. It, it it's not something that's going to necessarily work for sure. So it's making sure that change has a purpose Mm -hmm. and you're working within a specific set of rules Mm -hmm. because a rules-based system is how we maintain cooperation for a long period of time making sure those institutional arrangements are upheld we're like are upheld you you choose institutional arrangements over expediency okay and like i would i was starting to write down all of the main like the five main aspects of institutional arrangements that it when were you doing that this? the other day um the five main indicators of an institutional arrangement that that would indicate long-term success of cooperation okay how you keep playing the game mm-hmm. right because we as we were i went back and listened to in, inspiration to this i actually went back and listened to one of our earliest to the republic episodes mm-hmm. where we talked about political norms right and uh, that book, How Democracies Die, used a really good analogy of a basketball, like as a basketball, as a pickup basketball game, mm-hmm. where there isn't actual referees. Ever, all players are calling their own fouls. Mm-hmm. And yes, there's nothing, there's no over presiding person like governing the governing game, the game and yeah. saying, no, you can't call that foul. Yeah. If you want to be a, an asshole and you call everything a foul yeah. to benefit yourself, People aren't going to want to play with you, sure. right? Yeah. So, upholding norms, upholding institutional arrangements, and then having, you know, good strong leadership, uh, fairness, like fairness, equity, but like which creates buy-in. And I, I have to go back to my list, but it's it's a lot of like a lot of those things in those institutions upholding those values. Yeah, um, I think was it would be the under that would be kind of the underlying ideology of how then I would present policy mm-hmm. is there ever a time for revolution yeah okay i mean i support i mean i i the american revolution made sense mm-hmm. the french revolution but there's a, a set of rules there sense. why can't they operate within those set of rules then it requires a revolution to completely cut from the yeah, set if, of if rules. the institution is no longer if the institution is no longer upholding its the base level, which is doing good by the by the, by its people. Okay. The French monarchy was no longer wealth centralization had right. reached like to the extremes. Sure. Right. The people had every right to overthrow. Okay. Because even Hobbes, who's an absolute monarchist, mm-hmm. argues that if the monarch that you find that you have subjected yourself to is no longer looking out for your best interests. Mm-hmm. It is your right as an individual to leave that monarch and find a different, mo- like find a different mm, leviathan. Right. So even, but I mean, I. But that's I, different than overthrowing that monarch. 
in True. a revolution. True. Yeah, I mean, Hobbes was against the sure. the British Revolution, yeah. um, which tried to overthrow the monarchy. Yeah, and it did. Um, but and then there was a weird inter. Anyway, <laughs> there was a weird inner like inner crown period where Oliver Cromwell was like quasi king slash military dictator, and then they got tired of him. They threw him out. They brought back Charles's um, or James's son Charles the second, and then he ruled. And then they tried to assassinate James II. Anyway, we don't need to get into yeah. British monarchy history, but um, yeah, just, and those I'm, are good. I mean, those are good questions. Yeah, those are good questions. Yeah. that I haven't fully thought about. Mm-hmm. So well, there you go. Think you. about it. I will, and then I'm, it's going to make me stay up all night. I would call mine Spectre. I changed my mind. Spectre. Yeah. Okay. Special executive counterintelligence, terrorism, revenge, and extortion. <laughs> nice. <laughs> just James Bond. I love James Bond. Oh, that's the is that the new one? No, that's the well, it's the name of the movie, but it's also the name of like the uh, criminal organization. Oh, that's that right. is constantly that's right global, working to mm-hmm. consolidate power with Spectre. Is Spectre the newest movie? Uh, no, okay. no. I've Dude. seen I've seen Spectre. Spectre is that the, the one, one with the German dude? Yes. Okay. Yes. Blowfield. Yes. He's like James Bond's arch nemesis mm-hmm. in the old ones. And I love that they did him in these movies. Uh, the newest one? <laughs> Booty, bro. Yeah. I it's really, bad. I'm really surprised I brought Daniel Craig back. He mailed it in two movies ago. Yeah. And they yeah. keep running him back. I don't, I don't understand That's what they That's some Neil O'Shea energy right yeah. there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they sold us on it. <laughs> yeah. Because I went and saw those fucking movies. <laughs> Well, I'm glad overall. I mean, you're not, you're not, you know, the election night of Donald Trump was, was something to see and sit next to you in that class. <laughs> that is something I wish everyone could experience. And I was worried you were going to get on some sort of uh, fritz like you did that night, but. I think when I walked up to you yesterday at the end of the day, the fritz was because of work and not <laughs> because of the election. Yeah, work has been work has been tough. It's been bananas, dude. Um, do you have anything else? Because I just I was looking up some questions I was wondering, and I nope, I, I that's got some. no, that's it. So big lotteries have been coming out quite often. Like there was one during the summer. There was another one for like a billion or something. Now, I mean, whatever. They got over two billion. Two billion this yeah. recent one. Do you have any idea or consideration what would you do what you would do with that kind of money? Like would you donate to the police? <laughs> um, um You've never thought about it? No, I mean I try not to think about it because that just cuz you don't buy tickets. No. Right? So because yeah. the few times I have, I've gotten my everybody who buys a ticket yeah. immediately starts thinking about like Starts expect that they're going to win, yeah, right? Because yeah. everybody, everybody fundamentally thinks that they're excited. Even people who are outwardly pessimistic, mm-hmm. internally, I think it's a human nature to think that you're the exception. Yeah. So I think everybody, there's always this little thing in the back of your mind that's like, oh, I, I got this. I'm that's actually, gam- I'm maybe that's the win. gambling addiction, right? Oh yeah. That good feeling mm-hmm. of like, it's me this time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think that keeps bringing people back. That's yeah. how I keep getting these big jackpots. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. There's. I've, First thing you do. Of course there has been pay off my student loans. Yeah, me too. That's 100% <laughs> what I thought. 100%. Get, get that out from, get me out from under yeah, that. Yeah, mista, mista, get me out of here. Uh, and then, uh, f- then I am, 
I'm buying. I'm buying just a DeLorean. I'm, I'm buying multiple house, multiple houses, property, property. Okay. On the, one on the beach, one in the mountains. Okay. And then I'm and then I'm going down and I'm buying our lease property and then giving it to my dad. Okay. Where's your permanent residence? I would just. I don't think I would have one. Okay. I would go depending upon the time of year. Mm-hmm. I would be going to different places. Okay. I'd be staying at my uh, my Montana. My oh, Montana house. Okay. Or I'd be staying at my beach house. Have you ever been to the Rockies? I, I yeah, I have. You have? Mm-hmm. I want to go so bad. And I've my uncle, dude, he's such a weirdo. <laughs> he uh I I mean I not not like an actual weirdo, but like he it's weird it's weird because he's uh, we're so similar. Mm-hmm. And that's what I mean as far as like being a weirdo. Because he like he just sold his house in Colorado. And just went out to the middle of nowhere and bought this giant plot of land and was like, I'm going to build my house here. There's nobody near him as far as the eye can see. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And right now, because he doesn't have the house built, he just bought a a huge like trailer Mm -hmm. and he's living in that trailer with his wife. It's amazing. And he's like, I'm going to build right here. Good for him. Yeah. Good for him. I hate neighbors. (laughs) Thankfully... I chose my neighbor, so and then it's worked out quite quite well for us. Um, actually, they're they're great and hanging out with them and seeing them. And Shy loves their daughter and hangs out with their daughter all the time. So that's worked out. But most of the time, yeah, neighbors are trash. Mm-hmm. I just don't want to talk to people. I mean, I don't talk to my neighbor. Well, I guess I have kind of, but not on an app. Not like all the time. My parents are neighborly. That's what you've said. But I could see, I could see that for sure. Yeah. But I would love. I don't know if I would love. Temporarily, I could enjoy your parents as neighbors. <laughs> not long term, <laughs> not long term. But sometimes it's nice to be like waved at when you're pulling in. Sure. But don't say don't say anything else to me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even want to wave, man. No. No. Dude, I'm gonna start waving to you all the time. Uh, student loans, obviously, for me. Um, I'm not going to do it, but I, I definitely have been looking at how much, uh, a classic DeLorean costs. To buy. Oh, really? <laughs> I just watched all three of the films with Cheyenne and, um, it's a pretty cool car, dude. It's a pretty cool car. And they made a new one. It's like $200,000 for the new DeLorean. Oh, wow. It's, it's an electric vehicle. I think mm. it's spendy. It's got the same, like kind of body style it's cool mm-hmm. i like it um, but they also put it in like this like m- dark maroon almost purple like color and purple is my favorite color mm, so I, I like maroon that car looks rad um but for sure student loans I, I i would buy a house i'd have to buy a house but what does that look like where do i want to live because i i would want multiple like you i think mm-hmm. but honestly dude I'd probably do something here. Would you still work? I wouldn't work where I work. But that's like, fuck you money, dude. That would be nice. Yeah, I mean... I wouldn't work where I work either. I'd probably want to do something where I'm a lot less customer service. (laughs) Which, I enjoy it, Mm -hmm. but... All the time, I think that like if I if I'm a billionaire or multi millionaire, mm-hmm. 
you would probably qu- i mean not you just yeah. the royal you yeah, right yeah. just somebody who wins that if yeah. you tried to work the second your boss tried to get micromanage you with you you'd be like fuck this i'm out I don't, yeah i don't have to take this yeah for sure that's what i'm saying it's fucking money you'd be like eh, fuck you yeah. i'm out that's okay that's what you meant by yeah. fuck you money yeah, yeah. okay yeah uh i would i would literally devote my whole time to devote my whole time to being a to getting into the state department <laughs> amazing because what's the point of working unless you want to unless you're in a job that you you absolutely love otherwise you don't have to work i would do i would love to do like uh media development and current content creation i would love to do that Mm -hmm. so if i could just do that all the time make silly videos um make stop motion whatever like things like that like Mm -hmm. just fun things um it, it honestly it would be so fun to dedicate 40 hours a week to this yeah. Not just to say what you mean, but then expanding that into uh, a, a sports show and then stemming off of this. Right. You know what I mean? And just all the things that we love to do. Mm-hmm. Um, we all try to cram it. We every week try to cram all that into one week. And sometimes there's sports. Sometimes there isn't. Sometimes there's video games. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's not. But then to kind of just also keep that format, but then be like, oh, are you interested in Harry Potter here? We're going to read. We're going to discuss a book and just do seven video episodes where we kind of go over a book. You know what I mean? Shit like yeah. that would be so much fun. Um, I think that would be that would be the dream. But then I think, you know how I'm old? You know how I know I'm old is I'm like, but dude, right now I have insurance and a pension. <laughs> <laughs> that is disgusting, dude. Who have I become? But that's kind of my line of thinking. Or I just get a DeLorean and travel back in time, buy the sports almanac, and then I'm rich forever. So 50% of what I think it was like 2 point, let's just say $2.6 billion. You lose 50% of taxes, so you lose $1.3 billion of taxes. So you net one point three. Say old Papa Phil Knight comes up to you and says, hey, I'm making a bid to the Blazers. Yeah. Right now, probably the going rate for the Blazers, I think, is like $2.4 billion yeah. to buy it. And he was like, all right. You put in a billion, I'll put in the rest. I'm the majority, like, I'll be the 52% owner, you're the 48% owner. But you're spending all of, you're basically uh, lost all of your money. Now you're, all of your assets are in the Blazers. Yeah. Do you do it? I can't do it. I can't do you it. You get to own a sports team. Yeah. Have you ever seen basketball? No. What? Dude, it's like these kids, like, it's the movie starts out these two kids and they they're love sports and he's like, one day I'm going to own... What does he say? Oh, one day I'm going to own a... What does he say? Like a sports car or something like that. Then it cuts to him and he's like pissing on the side of a building drunk as own. He's like, one day I'm going to own a sports bar or something like that. Something ridiculous. I can't believe you haven't seen that. Obviously, it's been a while for me since I haven't quoted it. But I don't think I could do it. Honestly, I would just... Let me spend a billion dollars less and I'll just be a season ticket holder. And if it fucking sucks, well, I still get to go every day. <laughs> True. Yeah. <laughs> because all of it going into that, that is scary. Mm-hmm. That is scary. Also, just a real quick sports note. Did you watch that video the Trailblazers put out about like developing who they are as this new team under Chauncey? Yeah, you sent me You, you watched me, it? Yeah. Jody seemed far more invested than what has been reported. 
And yeah. maybe that's intentional by the video. I absolutely think it's intentional. Because by the I know I know tricks and I know what they're doing. But the perception from the video was that she was involved. Every reporter, even the reporters who don't like each other, yeah. who follow the Blazers, have all said that she is essentially aloof. Yeah. Um, but what Jason Quick has said, and Quick is like, if Quick says it, I'm pretty apt to believe it. Yeah. He said that Jody Allen is be- is starting to like the prestige that comes with owning the Blazers. Oh. Because she gets invited to the Gentleman's Club, <laughs> right? <laughs> She's part of that. No matter, no matter what, right? There's only a limited amount of U.S. sports teams. Yeah. So, and there's a lot of billionaires out there yeah. who can't get sports teams. Why? Because those things rarely ever come up for Available, sale. Yeah. So, that's something that money cannot just buy you. Yeah. So, having that seat at that elite table, yeah, it's pretty intoxicating. Yeah. And I think she's starting to really like that. So, I, it sounds like she's not in any hurry to actually sell. Okay. Because it's kind of fun for her now. Yeah. Not because she gives a shit about the team. Yeah. Because she likes having a seat at the table. Yeah. But I will say, though, that she has, I mean, the product on the basketball court. Been pretty good. Yeah, the early returns on that invest on that change, that yeah. buying that investment into change, yeah. has really worked. Dude, that I mean, that would be so wild if a team under her ownership won a championship. That'd be nuts. That would be wild. Um, one uh, one last question that I have that I, I wrote down, and I was just thinking about this because I have a ridiculous answer. But how do you like to be comforted when you're sad or upset? Like, do you have something that, like, makes you feel better, that you seek out to make you feel better? Um, well, Bo. Okay, for sure. Yeah, but not the obvious. Um, I really f- just find comfort in music. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's just listening to, listening to songs I know that have lyrics that really speak to like my really underlying mental health issues Mm -hmm. really kind of help me get out of that. I wish I would turn to music as often as I used to, you know, Mm -hmm. when I was creating music, it was always, that was like, I'm going to sit down and write because I had an outlet to do so. Mm -hmm. And I just don't anymore. And then like, even, even before writing, it would be, let me listen to music that kind of, whether it's a sound, mostly lyrically, that I can resonate with, and then that'll help me get through these sad times. Mm-hmm. But what I have found, and I don't turn to it, but I can't tell you. There's a running joke in my family about sad burgers. Sad burgers. I can't tell you, Jake, how many times in the last... Because there's been a, a lot. There's been a lot of very sad moments in my life in the last, let's say, seven years. Some big sad moments Mm -hmm. i can't tell you how many times i have cried while eating a burger (laughs) dude it is so often really (laughs) it is so embarrassingly often Like that piggy bank right there is a cheeseburger. I can't even look at that without thinking about like the times I've cried eating a burger. <laughs> is does it just is that just 
coincidence? Ninety percent of the time, really. Like, we'll, whatever, whatever we're doing. Okay, you're I'll, not. I'll like, a, you're not like seeking. You're not sad, so I'm no, seeking out a burger. No. It's like I'm eating a burger, and all of a sudden something sad happens. Yes. Okay. Or a discussion happens, or we really get a text, and it's like. I'm about to eat a burger, and it's like my world collapses. So now I'm crying, but I can't waste this burger. <laughs> I mean, I understand that. So I'm crying while dude. That's a, a really that sucks having that association with hamburgers. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. a wonderful dinner. It's constantly like if if a burger is had, like it's always like, well, sad burger, a sad burger, and it's like, yeah, I know, I know, I know. I have a history of crying while eating a burger. <laughs> Do do the burgers make you at least feel any better? I mean, who, who what burger wouldn't? I mean, True. I love burgers. Mm-hmm. I love burgers. Um, but I think I think aside from sad burgers, what I seek out, um, I think are people first and foremost. Sometimes you know, I'll reach out even if they don't know what the fuck's going on. I'll just text someone to be like, "What's up?" to get my mind off of it. Let's talk because mm-hmm. engaging in conversations or a hundred percent, and you know this. I need, I'm a social, I, I, I'm an extrovert most of the time, I would say. So my comfort is in, like I said, people, but I think camaraderie and teamwork, whether that's Call of Duty or getting out and playing basketball. Um, I, my gut says like, oh, playing basketball, but it's not so much the basketball as, as though I, as much as I do love the game, it's being out there and the camaraderie of with friends and playing the game and being strategic, which we find in Call of Duty. When I've had big moments or hard days, there's so many times where I'm like, Jake, I, I need Call of Duty tonight. And you're like, me too. And I think that that is, those are the, and it's with you and Jesse mostly or who I play mm-hmm. with, but it's like. I can I can express myself and talk it out with you guys and get your guys' or or not even sometimes get any feedback, but just having you guys listen is enough for me. Um, so I would say that in those sad times or when I'm seeking comfort, it's people. Um, but mostly, I love I love seeking camaraderie and, and teamwork through sad times. Yeah, sad burgers too. Sad burgers. Um, we have a little extra time, so I'm going to ask one more. Okay. Uh, this is I I I, I was. I had a gut reaction of what your answer would be. So I want to know what your answer would be. Do you feel that you're uh, young at heart or an old soul? And do you think I'm young at heart or an old soul? Well, why don't you? <laughs> okay. Oh, what you, then, then you have to tell me what you uh, think yeah, about absolutely. me. Okay. Absolutely. Right. We can start there. Okay. Before we go with ourselves. Okay. So what am I? I feel like you're young at heart. Okay. I think you're an old soul. Really? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What makes you feel like I'm... Let's go. Let's dive into this. What (laughs) makes you feel like I'm young at heart? Is it all the fucking toys around you right now? (laughs) (laughs) No. I mean, that's not... I mean, that's that's not where... This, this, This... complete collection of calvin and Hobbes sitting right uh, next well, I mean, to me i know what that's i mean i know what that's for yeah but uh the no i it's just um you're you're really like joking nature you're really joking nature mm-hmm. like you always you're always super quick with a joke or a comeback mm-hmm. stuff like that um and it just it seems like a lot of times you're just uh you have such you have such like big ideas mm-hmm. and i feel like someone who's an old soul is just like that all seems like it's a lot of work <laughs> like <laughs> i don't think so 
I think what makes you an old soul is like it's it's to my big ideas as wild as they might be. I need somebody to help me hold the kite, right? You're grounded. You're you're just like, all right, that's great, but how are we gonna do that, dude? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think I think additionally, when I think about old, so I think about just like a child, a child, for absolute certainty, knows that he wants to be a he wants to study history. <laughs> 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 to me, that is just like. Kids have the wildest like ideas. Like car- car- me, I had nineteen examples. I want to be a cartoonist. I want to be an author. I want to be a lawyer. I want to be a teacher. You're like, nah, I'm good. I want to be. I just want to study history. Like to me, that is like, that is that old soul, mature, like self awareness of like, no, I know, I know what I like. I know what I want. Mm-hmm. And it all, it also reminds me. And I don't want to get too much into this, but like the particular particular nature of someone you told me about recently and where they wanted the newspaper placed. I think that also reflects an old soul. Like mm-hmm. you just, you're, you know what you like, you know yeah. what you, you know what you want. And, and um, I think there's also in my assessment of you being an old soul, I, I instantly think about the fact that you're just a hunter to me. That just is an old soul. I don't know why, mm. because Jesse, I wouldn't describe as an old soul, but he, he's a hunter. My brother's a hunter. But for some reason, when I thought old soul, that is the first thing that I was like, oh, well, he hunts. And I was like, wait, why is that an old soul thing? But that's kind of my okay. thought. So yourself? Sometimes I wish I was a young, I had a younger heart. Mm-hmm. But then I think. It's too much work. It's too much work. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, really? No, I mean, I, I I agree that I'm I'm an old soul, and I think I'm an old soul because I think you hit it on the head. I like what I like. Yeah. Right. And I, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Mm. So, um, and and I have all sorts of just stupid sayings. Like the other day when we were at work, yes. I said, uh, "Don't look a gift horse in the mouth." Oh, and you're I, like, what the I fuck? I was flabbergasted, dude. <laughs> and then our coworker who's from the Midwest was like, "You don't know what that means," and I'm like. You hillbillies are confusing the hell out of me right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, old, that's a old, great example. Old, old white guy saying that's a great example. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just in I like you know, I like I think I like tra- I like traditions. Yeah, right. Um, I don't like change. Mm. Um, so I, yeah. I'm, I'm resistant to change. Change scares me. I like doing the things that I like, and I like repeating the things that I like because you know why? Like, uh, I'm thinking of the episode of. How I Met Your Mother, the Liberty Bell. Yeah. When Barney's trying to get Ted to go to Pennsylvania, to Philly. Okay. And Ted, and then he's shooting on, Barney's shooting on Ted because we always go to McLaren's. And Ted says, well, we, go, we always go to McLaren's because McLaren's is safe. Yeah. It's this much fun. Mm-hmm. You can't, you guys can't see my head, but it's like a middle, it's like a middle ground. Right. Not too and much, not Bar- too little. And then he go, but Barney, you always say it's going to be this much fun, as in way better than McLaren's. It always ends up being this much fun, but under worse McLaren's. than under McLaren's. Yeah, this much fun is safe. This much fun, like I forget what else he says. Sure, that resonates one hundred percent with me. I just safe fun. <laughs> I like doing what I do, um, and oh. I really like accessories. I feel like mm. I I really like access. I just really like. Access. I'm a big accessory person. Okay. So. You should get your ears pierced. No. Your belly button. No. Oh. Like I've been. I don't have it on right. Oh no, I do have it on. I have like a chain I wear like all the time. 
What? Um, Since when? Have you never seen it? I've worn this for years. What? Yeah, but nobody ever knows it because I never take it off. Yeah. It just, just says per aspera ad, um, per aspera ad astra. What the fuck does that mean? It's Latin for um, through hardship to the stars. Uh, I knew it had to do with stars. Mm-hmm. There you go. That's uh, some yeah. old soul shit right there. <laughs> and to counter your point, as far as reflecting on myself, I would agree and say that I am uh, young at heart, was it? Mm-hmm. And to kind of in the opposite um expression of what you said if it if it's if it's not broke don't fix it i'm very much like let's break it and fucking see if we can fix it mm-hmm. uh have you ever did you ever do that like take apart things and be like let's see if we can fix this and not have it happen you're talking to the kid who had 2000 unopened hot wheels as that's a- true very true point good point <laughs> Yeah, I'm very much like, and then like looking at like careers, like I'm 36 years old and I was like, oh, I want to do this. Let's try this. I want to do that. Let's try that. I want to do this and let's try that. Never having an idea, but very much resonating with Barney of like, dude, let's just go for it up here and try for this much fun. Mm -hmm. And then like every, like, like Ted explains, every time we do that, it's always underwhelming. Yeah. But then I, in my, in my. In my experiences, I've kind of grown to appreciate when it falls flat and, like, everybody's miserable. My favorite time is when, like, anyone I know is pregnant and they're, like, at that nine-month mark and they're, like, get this fucking baby out of me. Oh, that I love that. I love that. I'm, like, tell me more about that. How you, <laughs> how you feeling? I love it, dude. <laughs> Which most time, like, people are, are miserable in those times and... I don't know. I think it's so funny to me. But, yeah, shoot for the stars, mm-hmm. like your little necklace says. And if you don't get there and you fall flat on your face, well, shit, you tried. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. No, I, 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 there's so many times where the times we've been out in public or in, like, in a social situation, mm-hmm. you're always the one mixing it up. Like when we had the uh, – not, like, in a negative way, yeah, but yeah, you, no. you're, like, getting the conversation started. You, yeah are the one getting people you're the one being louder so everybody else feels comfortable sure so it's um <clears throat> i mean that's definitely not as me i sit there right i sit in the yeah. i sit in the back of the class nah, but you're the one that raises his hand that's true that's not a negative thing that's a good thing you know you've been but you, you have you, the you wisdom have, but you've been a present you've been a presenter uh, what does right that mean? like you've like we've all been in a position where we're presenting something sure. right and then you want people engaged. Yeah. And then you just see me back. Like, how disheartening is it to just see somebody back there? Just the back of the class. Back of the class just sitting there. <laughs> versus somebody like you who raises their hand and is engaging with the professor. Oh, yeah. I suppose. You know, Matt and I, were on, we take the bus home sometimes. And he w- we were talking about classes we had taken together. And he's like, you remember we... I was like, you know, my, my food history. We took it together, and I didn't, I couldn't remember that. And he's like, yeah, we did, we did that whole presentation on food, and um, it was either my food or your food, and we did a presentation. I was like, I do not remember that. And he's like, that's probably because you didn't do the presentation. And I go, what do you mean? And he goes, I did the presentation. I go, why? And he goes, because you said you didn't want to. <laughs> I was like, that sounds like me for sure. But yeah, I don't know. And when I'm in those, and when I'm in those social settings, Jake, and I'm and I'm being loud, I want people to feel comfortable enough to speak up and kind of let loose and say some shit. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes, 
there's, as we've discussed in recent episodes, there's always a weirdo. And if I'm loud, although I may not be saying weird shit, if I, if me kind of loosening, being the social lubricant encourager, if that gets the weirdo to say some weird ass shit for us then to then talk about forever, that's my goal. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes you can't help it. People just say window A. Eh. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Voce la guitarra mía al despertar la mañana quiere cantar su alegría.